Hello everybody, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 15, and today we're going to be talking about Story for Steven. I'm GC13. I'm Ken. And I am Dakota. I hereby vow that in a podcast, other than this time I'm about to say this word, I will never say the word perfect again. Because it seems like last week, that was the only adverb I knew to describe anything, was that word. So anyway, you were saying something about Young Gems, GC? Oh yeah, Young Gems. That was that was so cool. Everybody had a new design. Yeah, it looked really good. I especially like Pearl's. I mean, of course it's Pearl. How, how can you not like Pearl's design? Pearl is adorable. What'd you guys think of the song? Oh, how could I not love that song? That song was really fun. Which one? The first one or the second one? Because they were both wonderful. Like a Comet. I really I really enjoyed that one. I mean, I was expecting to be hit by some feels after that, but they really didn't play the feels up as hard as I expected. Yeah, I think a lot of people were, I don't know if disappointed is the right word, but yeah, like you and me as well, a lot of people were expecting a really feels-heavy episode. Man, I did not like that word. Oh, a really emotional episode. <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't It wasn't as emotional as we expected, but it was still really good, I thought. I guess Greg doesn't mind being not that popular a musician. He's living the dream either way. I think he yeah. just enjoyed playing music. But I also think, and we see this a lot with Steven, that he's kind of uh, gullible and maybe a little too trusting. Oh yeah, 75%? That better have been an exaggeration from Greg to Steven. I don't think so. I think that the story was supposed to be fairly accurate. Then again, if you were negotiating with Seth Green and Seth Green wanted to take 75% of your revenue, I mean, it's Seth Green. No, you're right. You're right. This episode was too short, I feel like. It, it cut off and I was like, wait, that's it? Are you kidding me? Oh yeah, it felt supremely short. I mean, it's only an 11 minute show. Usually they do pretty well with it. But this one, it they were working so hard with it. I hardly felt like they had even started. It's just I was involved start to finish something i thought was interesting is i think that like garnet's old design shows that her shoulders those are just like puffy dress things that's not actually her shoulders being big balls Uh, i thought that was pretty clear i thought it was too but then i see people drawing fan art of her wearing different clothes and she still has the big circular shoulders and i'm like no oh really those are just that's part of sapphire's dress she's got she likes the shoulder pads makes her makes her feel important but i think the really interesting thing about designs was like the lack of the star on any of the designs save for roses i mean did you guys notice that in the back of uh, greg's van there was that big shirt of red t-shirts with the yellow stars that steven wears all the time yep the big box of steven shirts garnet still had the star on her gauntlets but the weapon is an intrinsic part right. of, part of them which kind of makes me suspect that garnet was never formed until after ruby, ruby and sapphire joined the rebellion that would make a lot of sense if, like, you know, they fused and they fused just to fight something and then they discovered that they liked being fused together. That would be really sweet, actually. That would be an interesting, because Garnet said that that first battle of the war was horrific. And so they might have turned they might have turned into Garnet to survive it, or they might have developed an affection for each other as a result of surviving it. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of wary about using costumes as an indication of timelines ever since I kind of bungled the meaning of the four-point star on Alexandrite. Yeah? What do you mean you bungled it? I kind of took that to mean that Alexandrite predated the Crystal Gems, whereas now we know that clearly Alexandrite could not have predated the Crystal Gems because Amethyst, a part of Alexandrite, post-dates the Crystal Gems. Right. Hmm. I don't know. It's interesting because Alexandrite doesn't have any stars in her uniform either. So I think that the... the, the I wonder what caused the gems to... to uh, put the stars into their uniform because the more I thought about it, none of the gems, it's their stars is super clear because pearls is just 
you can't really see it unless you're really looking for it. It kind of fades into the blue. Amethyst just looks like rips on her on her kneecaps. And Garnet's is kind of like half cut off on her side. Yeah, but uh, I think the current consensus is that they probably adopted the stars in their uniforms to memorialize Rose after she passed her gem on to Steven. That makes sense to me. I don't, I don't have any hardline theories, but I mean, that, that sounds reasonable. But Alexandrite does have stars. They're just four-point stars. You know, up, right. down, left, right. Right, like crisscross diamonds. Yeah, no, no, uh, no crystal gem five-point. So um, you know what else would be interesting? What if Alexandrite never came around until after Rose? Hmm. And that's why she only has the four-point star. That, that is interesting. That is a, that's a theory worth considering. So hear me out here then, actually. The reason that Alexandrite was never formed until after Rose was already gone was because any other time that they all had to fuse together, if it was a, a situation that serious, Rose also fused in with Alexandrite, and there was never a need to have just the uh, the Garnet, Amethyst, and Pearl fuse together. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes perfect yeah. sense. And that's probably also why uh, Alexandrite is so unstable, because that Rose really completed that team for them. And without Rose being a part of the fusion, you know, you have Alexandra and you have all of these different personalities that doesn't have Rose's, I don't know, compassion, love. Rose is definitely the guiding light. I wonder if Steven fuses with Alexandra, if they would get like the same end product or if it would be a different fusion. That is, that is, I'm just more interested to see what happens if Garnet fuses with Opal or if Pearl fuses with Sugalite, which would be much less likely. Do we get Alexandra or do we get a different fusion? That's a good question. Because with Alexandrite, it was clearly Garnet in there and not Ruby and Sapphire. So that leads me to believe that you might get something different if a, fu- if a fusion fuses as opposed to the components of that fusion. That would increase the fusion count even more. Okay, minor attack of the light spoiler. I'm going to assume you've played far enough to see this point if you are listening. But... You can actually fuse into Alexandrite in the game, and when you fuse into Alexandrite, you don't have, like, say, Garnet, or you don't have, say, Pearl and Amethyst fusing into Opal and then them fusing into Garnet. You have all of them fusing together at once. So, I mean, do we want to consider that the canon way in which Alexandrite is formed, but they all dance together and fuse all at once? I kind of figured that, considering how, considering that there was the Garnet personality in there, that, that all three right. of the personalities were in there, and then at the end of their dance in Alone Together, you know, you see all three of them together. So I kind of figured that's how it worked. That is an interesting thought, that like, perhaps rather than all of the individual gems fusing together, if they fuse while, you know, there's already a fusion created, does that create a different fusion, or does it still create Alexandrite? One of the many mysteries of the show, I think. <sighs> but now I want to know that. It's so fascinating. I really like how Rose was less of a Mary Sue than she generally is. I think I've said before that I get a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit frustrated with how she's always portrayed as being basically perfect, perfect and beyond having a flaw. But they like went out of their way to give her messy hair, and it wasn't relevant to anything. I, they just did that intentionally so that you're like, oh yeah, she's not perfect. She was a real-ish person. Her hair looks exactly how she wants it to look. I think some of her mannerisms also displayed that, you know, she's not necessarily perfect. And I don't know that I fully agree with you there, GC, because we see sometimes when Pearl gets uh, stressed out, her hair gets really emotive, um, and it might splinter off some, whereas when she's really calm, it comes into that very slick back point with just, like, two splits in the back. I don't know. I think that we can use the hair as an indicator of, like, her being a little bit stressed. And I think that's that's yeah. probably the most the most fair and most accurate read. But what I was about to say before you, you made that comment was, and I don't know the name of the trope off the top of my head. One of you guys might 
um, where in how a lot of media, they glorify people who have since passed on being much greater than they were, and they never talk about their flaws. That's called lionization. I don't know that it's a trope, but it's a thing that people do. But I mean, you see that as a lot of tropes in a lot of different animated shows. And I think that another flaw that we see from uh, Rose as of this episode was that, you know, she can't help herself but be interested in humans. That because like her reaction to Greg was very much treating him like a puppy, like, oh, you're so cute. And I'd really like to play with you. Please don't please don't use puppy specifically or pet. Just uh, still got a headache from that. Why? What happened? What? People trying to pass off some obviously fake season two episode as being real. Wait, what happened? <laughs> okay. Tell me what happened. I think I missed this. They made up an episode called Daddy Doggy, and then they went to some stupid lengths to try to get people to think that it was real. What was Daddy Doggy supposed to be about? Oh, where it was revealed that Rose kept Greg as a pet or some stupid thing like that. I like it. They went. They went. They went full creepy pasta. Where CNN accidentally leaked the trailer for it, and ooh, you could make out this, and here's the sole surviving frame, and then they had an edited screenshot from Lion Three straight to video. I am a fan of trolling. And then they went and they even went so far as to edit the edit a screenshot of the Zap to It listings, and it was all they even kept the label so it said Zap to It on there, and if you went to Zap to It, it wasn't there. So <laughs> kind of like they did with that Portal nice. Part One, Part Two episode where Steven opens the portal to the homeworld. Man, I'm so disappointed that's not true. Okay, so maybe pet would be the wrong word, but I don't think I think that Rose grew to be like truly romantically involved with Greg, but I don't think it started that way. Well, she calls him, I guess you already went over that. She calls him cute, but you're saying you think that's in a puppy dog way. Yeah, she said she said he was cute and she wanted to play with him, but she didn't want him to give up on his dreams for her. But the way she says play with him, because, I mean, you could take play to mean romantic, I guess. But the way I'm reading Rose's character from the very limited interaction we've had of her, I don't know that she would talk like that. I get I get the impression I get the impression that she's talking in words that she thinks he would understand. She's she's literally treating him like a child that right. he wants to play with her. Right. Okay. That that, that sounds so assuming. much better because I guess it's fair to say, and I don't know that we have anything in canon to confirm this or deny it, but I think it might be fair to say that the way romantic love happens among gems is. It's very similar to the way it happens among humans, but at the same time, it's it's very different, too. Because I know that Ian JQ was talking about how, like, in the Steven Universe staff room, some of the discussions they have about what is canon about romantic relationships is far more graphic than even some of the most depraved stuff you can see on the internet. So, I mean, I'm not ruling out, you know, sex explicitly, but I think that it's just different. Did he really say that? That's crazy. Yeah, he said that in a comment. Um in, in well not a comment per se but uh, a response to an ask on his tumblr I, I don't think i could find it off the top or just like with a quick search but someone was asking him what he thought of all of the uh, fan art shipping the gems together or something to that effect and he said you know go buck wild go crazy because some of the canon discussions we have are going to be way more vulgar than anything you guys are doing <laughs> okay wow but i mean a lot of stuff we know about the canon is only because we know word of god not because it happens in the show so i mean you know obviously that stuff is never going to make it into the show Cartoon Network is pushing boundaries, but I doubt they're going to have a gem orgy or anything like that. Man, we, we seriously need some comprehensive audio commentaries on the Blu-ray release that better happen or else. I would that would be, be very sad. so great. 
I mean, you know, maybe maybe not talk about the lewd stuff, but uh, a whole bunch of stuff that, well, we didn't put this in the episode, but what was in the episode was informed by what we had decided about the continuity. They probably won't put that in Blu-ray commentary, but as far as, like, the actual lewd stuff, when the show's over, I guess, and people aren't afraid of losing their job for talking about lewd aspects, you can probably expect to get a lot of information about that. I don't know. I feel like we could get a lot of that word of God stuff right now. I think that, you know, they're just so spoiler protective. They're not going to tell us a lot of stuff because I mean, Ian JQ, he was pretty explicit. Like we talk about this. They get really protective about spoilers. I mean, they seemed upset that we had the season one episode synopses that Cartoon Network accidentally posted to CartoonNetwork.com. Seriously though, like those synopses, they're so vague that they really didn't tell us much. All they did was get me hyped up for Marble Madness before Peridot was even a blip on the radar. Have you guys seen that Tumblr that's like Steven Universe episode descriptions and they give you these ridiculous descriptions and then the content of the episode is insane? Like there was one and it was like Lazy Sunday and the description was Steven and the Gems uh, do something different on a Lazy Sunday. And then the content was how they all go to church and how they all react and how Pearl's like science, science, science and Amethyst is like, oh, wow, cool. And then she shapeships and they're like, witch, get her out. And I forget what Garnet does. But and then it's all sad because they get rejected by this church and they're all like lonely and, and whatever. Or for anybody who's ever played Mass Effect 2, Steven and Zaid walk down the street to go get ice cream. The name of that Tumblr I was telling you guys about is susummaries.tumblr.com, and it's wonderful. And the, the gem sun, uh, the name of that one I was telling you, apparently they haven't updated it in a while, which is disappointing because uh, Sunday Gem is the top episode again. And it was episode summary. Stephen and the Gems go somewhere new on a lazy Sunday. What actually happens? Stephen and the Gems learn about church. Pearl takes a pen to the Bible and starts correcting all of the scientific inaccuracies. Garnet wonders if Jesus is a corrupted gem. Amethyst sees an opportunity to regain a sense of purpose and meaning she lost in the kindergarten. But when she accidentally transforms, the other churchgoers call her a devil and throw her out. As they walk back home together, Amethyst turns back to look at the church, barely holding back tears. It's gem magic. Amethyst doesn't have to explain anything. Laundry Day, episode summary. Stephen helps throw the laundry. <laughs> what actually happens? It's a very dangerous day. <laughs> Stephen throws a shirt he finds in Greg's room in the wash, not realizing it's the last thing of roses that Greg owns. When Greg finds the shirt, he desperately clutches it to his face. But the last, lingering scent of rose quartz is gone. He cries. Stephen underst- doesn't understand what's happening or what he did wrong. Seriously, this Tumblr is great. If you are the owner of this Tumblr, keep making these. These were so funny. I just thought it was really interesting. Greg, uh, Greg talks to, or Greg's going there by the fence and he's talking to the owl because, lol, you're an owl. You can't answer my questions. And then when she does, he's like, he gulps, but then he immediately asks a follow-up question. I mean, it's not like, holy crap, how is this owl talking? It's, whoa, didn't expect that. Okay, pump you for info now. Yeah, no one in this world is surprised by magic, ever. Not a single person has ever been surprised by magic. Well, Marty didn't think that Greg was being serious. So while they're not surprised to encounter magic, they also don't think that magic is something you'd encounter in the... In the lore implications post that uh, went up today is Saturday, as we record, that went up today, I likened it to a businessman walking down the street in the city and encountering a cosplayer on a way on their way to an anime convention. It is at once exotic and mundane. You would not have ever imagined encountering a cosplayer if you're a businessman, probably, but at the same time, you do not think that the cosplayer is anything special. Maybe weird, but nothing special. 
That's interesting. That's a really good comparison. And I think Rebecca Sugar actually said this word of God in her AMA that, like, the people of this timeline, like, they're vaguely aware magic stuff exists. They just kind of try and keep their distance. So I, I really like that comparison because it's pretty fair. I mean, if the gems have been around for thousands of years, you know, since humans have been a hunter-gatherer society, then, I mean, sure, they're going to have heard of these things. It's It happens. They're just not going to, like, you know, freak out too much because they kind of expect it, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's probably some scientific categorization of some of that gem wildlife. They hear it goes like that in the biz. So a little bit of cool continuity in this episode in – um. What was it? The, the episode right when they get back from Earth from Paradox Ship, that was, uh, help me out, GC. First episode um, of season two. talking about full disclosure? Yes. And full disclosure, when they're talking about what to do, uh, Pearl mentions, we used to have a fence. We could get another one. And we saw the fence in this episode. I thought they were talking about that little white picket fence. It was weird because full disclosure sounds like the time, the, it sounds like it should be the first you know, time this fence is mentioned in the series, you know, they mention it and then later they show it. But Story for Steven was supposed to be a season one episode. So they meant for us to see it and then hear about it later. That's, oh, I you're guess right. that works, but I don't think it, I don't think it works as well as the airing order we got now. I agree. I think either way, it would have been a neat little continuity nod. The way it worked out at first, I thought she was talking about that little picket fence they made after uh, Amethyst cracked her gemstone. That now that I think about it, I don't think it's actually up there anymore. But hmm. like either way, I think it's kind of cool. I think it is still up there. It was up there in Beach City Horror Club, wasn't it? Was it? I don't remember. Marty, do you think that Marty is Onion's father? Yeah, yes, it's still there. And no, not Onion's father. Sour cream. Oh, not father. Onion's father. No, sour cream's father. Yellowtail is, I think, is Onion's father. But I think Vidalia is both sour cream and Onion's mother. Yeah, I I thought that was fairly clear as far as you know implications go. I don't know. I wonder if we're going to get some backstory on that. Maybe. Maybe. When Onion goes back to the home world to reclaim it from the gems. Seriously, though, like, I think that the yellow diamond theory is, is silly. I think it's funny, but it's dumb. In the comics, there's a, in the comics, there is a short story where the gems are fighting a monster while Onion is sitting back eating popcorn and watching. And the monster hits Onion with a teleporting attack that teleports him like into its nest. And so they rush in to save him and only to find the monster cowering from Onion and Onion's just sitting there. <laughs> I remember that because it knocked out his popcorn. So it yeah, I got, got Onion mad. Not as cute as uh, Steven taking Opal out for training at the carnival, but uh, pretty cute all the same. No, definitely not that cute. I'm so glad we got another, like, even if it was only in the comics rather than the show, I'm so glad we got another Opal bit. I hope one of the next few comics, I know the next one is going to be all about Greg, but I hope maybe one of the ones after that has, like, features Ruby and Sapphire. Ruby and Sapphire don't have a star in their design either. Then it's pretty certain that they haven't had proper reformations ever since... Right. ...since joining the Crystal Gems. Probably. Well, definitely not since the loss of Rose, anyway, I mean. Right. Which I guess means that the gem, gem Disruptor didn't... That's how they would have looked had they defused from Garnet at any time, voluntarily even. I mean... I don't think so, because I think that they, they were put back into their gem and had to reform, and I don't think they actually destabilized Amethyst or Pearl. Because, and the reason I say that is because we know that Pearl has since reformed and Opal looks slightly different as a result. And we know that yeah. after they refused, Garnet's outfit changed entirely. So that's where that's coming from in my head. Maybe we need to ask the crew about that. Okay, sounds good. But yeah, I, I had figured that Pearl and Amethyst did not get knocked out by Jasper, that 
Most likely, she simply threatened Stephen and got them to surrender that way. I'd never really thought about it. Yeah, drives me up the wall. Okay, I just noticed something. In Opal's day off, this is definitely Pearl post her reform because she has a sash, but Opal doesn't have the sash around her. Uh, Opal doesn't have that sash like she does in uh, her second showing in the show. So I think what that can mean is that the comics are not necessarily canon. Well, they're canon. They're probably just not supervised. They're probably just not supervised super closely. They never said, oh, yeah, by the way, we changed how Opal looks as of this episode. Or when was it made? It was could have been made well before. It, I know it was made well before the episode aired. So Right. Uh, let me look at the printing date. March 2015. So... I don't know. It, this yeah, was but, drawn by Grace But when Crouch. was it drawn, I mean? I'm not sure. I remember Grace uh, sharing some sketches of this comic a long time ago. I'm wondering if they would inform contract artists like that, who they just commissioned for comics, about some of this canon stuff. Because it probably, you know, why would they tell her that Opal's design changed since, you know, uh, Pearl reformed? Yeah. So, I mean, we probably can't use the designs of the characters in the comics to be 100% certain when they take place, but... You know, I'm I'm not going to say that this means the comics are too unreliable. True. I mean, nobody's come out to say, no, the gems do not have pocket dimensions inside their gems, and I'd figure that would be a pretty important thing for them to stamp down on if it wasn't true, so. Well, I think the main comics in all of the Steam Universe comics are drawn by the same artist, and I think that those are canon. Um, the, the main illustrator is Coleman Ingle. I think I'm pronouncing that name right. I might be mispronouncing it, but I'm pretty sure that those are meant to be explicitly canon. Although I guess there's no no way to ensure that. But yeah, about story for Steven, we've hit all the points I wanted to talk about, except for one thing: the you know you know how very young the gems look, and a lot of people are wondering why do the why do the crystal gems look so young? I mean, they've been on Earth, st- stranded on Earth for more than five thousand years, and this is less than twenty years before the present. Why do they look so much younger than they do now? And you know, I have my idea, but a lot of people are wondering. I think the pretty clear answer is that it's just done for aesthetic reasons. I think Ian Jones has like gone out of his way on a couple of different occasions to say that they don't keep the sizes of people all that consistent. They try and keep like the relative sizes the same, like relative to other characters. But outside of that, they'll change like facial expressions or change how people look or their size just to get a point across. And so since this was a flashback episode, they just drew them to look younger and there's probably not any more significant meaning behind it than that. Well, their sizes are actually pretty close. Their sizes are really close to what they normally are. I'm not talking about their height differences. I'm talking they look just their style, their demeanor than, than they do. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm just saying, even though Ian Jones said that specifically in regards to height, uh, you can probably extrapolate that it also goes just for like everything aesthetic about them. No, you're right, because he also said that uh, that sometimes the designs are going to be wacky and cartoony because it's a cartoon, and they're not going to apologize for that. I don't think that there is going to be too much we can explicitly imply from um, just them looking younger, but I think the general consensus right now is that they just felt younger with Rose around, and so naturally they looked a little bit younger because, you know, they could act a little bit less serious. Yeah, I mean, exactly. They've been, it's been more than 5,000 years since all the bad stuff happened. I mean, we see that the Crystal Gems stagnated and got very complacent, so yeah, yeah, they probably just like everybody's assuming, felt very young and they grew up quick when they had to start dealing with this stuff without Rose. I mean, we know we know all three of them probably got their physical forms destroyed by monsters at some point. We know Pearl didn't go down very often. Right. 
Let's see. Uh, we don't know how many times, but we know she we know she did get deformed once after story for Stephen because of the forms we see her go through in S- Stephen the Swordfighter. Losing my train of thought. So that also means Garnet went down at least once. That had to have been a pretty big fight, right? Yeah. To make what you're talking about a little bit more explicit, yeah, yeah. When do that. and Stephen the Swordfighter when. Pearl is reforming from her damaged gem. You can see the form that she was in in story for Steven. In this latest episode, you can see that when she's like reforming. I'm going to Google it and find out exactly how many forms there were. I think there were five. There was pilot form. Then there was one that looked kind of revolutionary era France-ish. Then the... No, I'm, I'm, I'm getting the order mixed up, but I think there were five of them. Then we had story for Steven. Then we had start of the series. And then we had modern Pearl. Oh, one other thing I think that might be worth noting is how Amethyst said that she really liked Greg's hair. And in the past, apparently she had really <laughs> short hair and now she has really long hair. And that's something I kind of noticed in uh, Maximum Capacity anyway when she transformed into Greg was, oh, wow, their hair looks really similar. So I think that was a pretty cool continuity. <laughs> yeah, had. a lot of people did. A lot of people did mention that uh, when Maximum Capacity aired, the similarity of their hair. But since we brought up Amethyst's Amethyst's long hair versus her short hair in Story for Steven. We might as well mention that a lot of people have been talking about the picture from So Many Birthdays, the, you know, the painting that was like oh, Watson right. and Shark, except, you know, and she had, she basically looked like modern Amethyst, but in a military uniform of the era. You're right. I hadn't thought about that. So I wonder, I wonder if that was um, unintentional or if she just used to have long hair, put it back short and then grew it back. I guess we'll have to find out. Because there's a little piece of fan art out there that has Pearl with really long hair and Amethyst with really short hair, and I think that it's adorable, and I love it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's fan art. It's not canon by any means, but I mean, I guess it's not out of the question that they could just willy-nilly decide to change their what they look like, even if they don't have to reform. Yeah, I mean, they did it in Beach Party. Why couldn't they do it at any other time? Hmm. I mean, Amethyst shapeshifts all the time, so the thought that she might change her appearance just but still be humanoid is fairly reasonable. So I guess we don't have to conclude that Garnet or uh, Pearl was necessarily felt between then and now. I mean, I think we could say that Amethyst was because we were we were told in Steven and the Swordfighter that she that happens to her a lot cuz she's scrappy. Even though funny enough she hasn't actually <laughs> been felt yet in the series, which I think is great. Yeah, that that is weird. She's the last one to go down and she's the one who they say goes down the most often. <laughs> what are the odds with the Apparently riding crew behind the wheel? Pretty high. I can't wait to see what Amethyst looks like next time she goes down. I'm really looking forward to that. It'll just be Purple Puma. <laughs> but yes. She'll take Purple great. Puma as her main form. Pearl was actually carrying Amethyst as though she was her child, almost. Or like she was a younger sibling, at least. That's how I was reading it. More like she was more, you know, they were more sisterly. Yeah, the protective big sister. That's That's the read I got when she was holding her like that. I don't know, old Amethyst was adorable. Yeah. Although I'm not sure what those things on her shoulder were. Yeah, real quick, this episode was storyboarded by Joe Johnston and Jeff Liu, and in terms of ratings, it was at 1.998 million, just under 2 million in second place after Teen Titans yet again. Good day for ratings. Good day for ratings. I guess it's time for us to sign off. I'm GC13. Hey guys, we're on iTunes, and we're also on Stitcher, so if you guys could leave us a review there, that would mean a lot. Thanks. I'm Ken. And I am Dakota. We will see you guys next week. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.